Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nora Ephron was an award-winning screenwriter for many years. She uh, wrote the screenplays for movies like Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally, and and many other movies. But she started out as a journalist. And she tells the story of when she was in high school, in her high school journalism class, and the moment she realized she wanted to be a journalist. So she's in class. It's the first day of class. And the teacher is teaching them about the lead. You guys know what the lead is in a newspaper story? The lead is what is that first sentence or couple of sentences in a story that give you the essential, vital information that you need to know. So this was their exercise. The teacher gave them a bunch of uh, facts of things that were happening. Teacher says, okay, so here's what's happening at uh, this coming Thursday at Beverly Hills Lutheran High School. No, that's not a real school. But uh, Beverly Hills High School, um, Principal Barker and the entire faculty are going to be going up to the Capitol, to Sacramento, and they'll be attending a workshop there. Well, they'll hear from the governor, and they'll hear from the president of the local university, and they'll hear from um, other educational experts in the field. So the teacher gives them this information. He says, okay, write the lead. They all get real busy. They're writing the lead. What's the lead to this article? The article is, you know, this, this week the faculty is going to be going up to meet the governor, going to the Capitol, going to be meeting these great uh, leaders in education, etc., etc. So they all hand in their leads, and the teacher's kind of looking through them. He says, okay, yes, this is very interesting, very good. He says, every one of you missed the lead. What are you talking about? I mean, you you gave it to us. Okay, everybody's going up to the Capitol. They're going to this conference. Governor's going to be there, et cetera. He says, no, no, no. Here's the lead. There will be no school on Thursday. (laughs) See, the lead is getting to the heart of the matter. It's finding out what is most vital, what is most important. And just like all of those high schoolers, those budding journalists, weren't able to see through all of the the trees to find the forest. They weren't able to recognize what was the most important bit of information. Something similar can happen in our lives. We lose the lead. We forget what's most important. Or even this, sometimes it's said the journalists bury the lead when they purposely take the most important information and put it down at the bottom of the story. That happens too. And I want to say that something like this is what's going on in today's gospel. Now, it's kind of a strange interaction, a strange encounter. We have these characters called the Sadducees who come up to Jesus with this outrageous, mind-bending question. They say, okay, Jesus, we've got a question for you. It sounds more like a test, which it kind of is. They say, okay, so Moses told us that if a a guy and a gal are married and the guy happens to die, then his brother has to take his wife. Now, this is sort of true. This is something that's taught in the Old Testament, but they're going to push it to the nth degree. They say, okay, so the guy dies, his brother, he marries the wife, but then he dies, and so on and so on and so on. Seven brothers, extremely unlucky family. They all marry the same wife, and then she dies, and so, Jesus... In the resurrection, of which of these, who's going to be married to whom, since they all had her, right? Like, oh man, this is a hard one. How is Jesus going to answer this? 
Well, we need to back up and give a little bit of background about these characters, the Sadducees, which if you know your Sunday school songs, you know at least one thing about Sadducees, which is that they are they are sad, you see. <laughs> and why is that? Because uh, Luke himself tells us in here why we say they're sad. Because they did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees were kind of the elites of that time. And if we can put it in kind of contemporary parlance, they were sort of religious liberals or um, heterodox. It would be a more technical term. They didn't believe everything that the scriptures teach. They said that we only believe the things in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They said, there's no resurrection in those five books. Ergo, we don't believe in it. There was a lot that the Sadducees didn't believe in. They were sad, you see. And so when they come to Jesus with this question, are they genuinely looking for an answer to the question? No. This is what you call a reductio ad absurdum. This is where a, a, an argument, arguing device where you just try to push something so far with an absurd argument to try and expose your opponent's uh, position. To try and show, okay, your position doesn't make any sense. In this case, the Sadducees are trying to show Jesus, look Jesus, this resurrection thing that you're talking about, it's not biblical, it's not true. We can demonstrate it from this one simple thought experiment of the poor seven guys and the one wife. They're trying to push the envelope to help Jesus recognize resurrection is not legit. But here's why they're really sad, you see. Because here they have, right in front of them, the one who is the resurrection and the life. I mean, just think for a minute. If you or I had Jesus in front of us and we could ask him anything, what would you want to ask him? What, what would you want to know about? Here is where the Sadducees find themselves with the living Lord of the universe right before them. And all they can do is, is ask a goofy gotcha question. They are missing the lead. See, They're burying it, even. And they're finding themselves mired in things that do not matter. Now, you and I probably don't come before the Lord with those kinds of gotcha questions. I hope you don't. We come before him with a spirit of, of trusting humility. We want to know the truth of God's word. We're not trying to trap God in prayer or, in, or your pastor in Bible study. Okay? We genuinely want to know more about the truth of God's word and the, and the truth of the gospel. And yet, I would submit to you that there's still a way that all of us even as devoted, believing Christians, can still lose the lead, can still lose sight of what's most important. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis, which is saying a lot because you guys know I have a lot of favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis, the 20th century apologist, defender of the Christian faith. One of my favorite quotes of his is this. He writes that, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, he says, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
we are far too easily pleased. We find ourselves too easily pleased, losing the lead when we devote ourselves to things that ultimately do not matter, when we find our hearts and lives being engrossed in stuff that is passing away. And it can happen to each and every one of us, believe me as a, a Spartan fan who has watched that team utterly crumble this season, right? It is, there's that part of my heart that just wants to weep and gnash my teeth. But when I do that, I recognize I'm, I'm losing the lead, right? I'm becoming far too easily pleased. It happens to you and me when we get too engrossed in all of uh, cable news and, and all of the things that are happening on there. And you watch that and you, you start to you feel that rage rising up in your heart. You think, this is important. This is breaking news. This is even more breaking than the breaking news a few minutes ago. And you start to find yourself too easily pleased, messing around in the mud puddles. What is it for you? What are the things that you find yourself messing around in mud puddles with, losing the lead, thinking this is the most important thing. And hear me now, that's not to say that these other things don't matter. In many cases, they do, whether it be your work or whether it be national politics even. These are things that matter, but the point is, they aren't things that we hang our heart on at the end of the day. They aren't the lead of life. So I just want to challenge you a little bit. Say somebody else was writing a biography about your life. What would be the lead? What would be the thing that they see is most vital in your life? Would it be Christ and pursuing Him and serving others? Or would it be something else? Look, every single one of us find ourselves guilty of losing the lead, of failing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and placing our trust and confidence in other things, just like the Sadducees were. So how does Jesus respond to that? He responds in a very surprising way. Okay, the Lord says, let's go back to some scripture. Now, if you're trying to respond to some folks who are doubting the resurrection, who are questioning it, there's lots of places in the Bible that you could go to to counteract that. Jesus goes to one of the most unlikely, unexpected places. He goes to the story of the burning bush. We read it this morning. We heard it from Exodus chapter 3, and perhaps you remember the story from Sunday school. I mean, it's a remarkable, fascinating story. Moses, who we know as you know, the great leader of God's people, bringing them out of Egypt, but at first he was just a shepherd. And one day he's walking along, and all of a sudden he sees this bush that is burning, but not burning up. And out of that incredible sight, as he draws near, God himself speaks to him. God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. And he gives to him this incredible command and commission. You are going to lead my people Israel out of Egypt. It's such a fascinating, remarkable story. There's so much about it that if you or I were writing a news story about it, you say, what's the lead here? Say, oh, this is easy. God speaks to man out of bush, right? Uh, there's bush that's burning, but not burning up. There's so many different details that you could go to and say, this is the lead here, am I right? This is what's most important. And Jesus says, here's the lead. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus, how is that the most important detail there? Because the key is in the tense. 
the present tense. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, they are still alive to me. These great patriarchs and leaders of the faith who have been dead and gone for years, decades, centuries. No, 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 no. In God's sight, they are alive because he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Just as a side note, note how deft that move is of Jesus too. These guys that only believed in the first five books of the Bible. So where does Jesus go to? Exodus, one of the first five books of the Bible. You don't mess with Jesus, y'all. Just don't do it. But Jesus says, this is the lead, a living Lord. This is the lead, resurrection. This is the lead that you and I, though we pass away from this mortal life, we do not pass away forever. And even those who have died in the faith before us, still they are alive with the Lord even now. That's the lead that we can't lose sight of. And so Jesus is saying that to the Sadducees, and he's inviting them to recognize, guys, you don't have to mess around in mud puddles anymore. I'm giving you something better even than a holiday at the sea. I'm offering you the promise and the hope of resurrection and the life of the world to come. When all that is broken will be put right, when all that is fallen and sorrowful is going to be lifted up in the joy of the Lord, that's the promise for you and me. So you've seen those people, or maybe you've been that person, who's had that horrible back pain, say, and you find yourself kind of like crouching over and you're just in so much pain. And some of you are like rearranging in your seat right now. You're like, yes, I'm there right now, Pastor. Move along with the sermon, please. But then maybe you have like a really effective trip to the chiropractor and the pain is gone. And it's the weirdest thing because you had just gotten so accustomed to living with the pain, that when it's not there, it's kind of weird. Something similar happens to our souls. We are so accustomed to living with the pain in our lives and in our world that our souls can start to become hunched over. But Jesus has come to take away your pain and mine and to lift up your eyes to see don't miss this. The goal, the purpose of life is found in Christ and his kingdom. The greatest joy in life is found in the promise and the hope of the resurrection. Don't lose the lead. And when we see it, when we recognize it, it rearranges our lives. It rearranges our, our values and our priorities, what matters most. It doesn't mean that, okay, I'm just going to go quit my job and become a missionary. I mean, for some of you, it does mean that. It has meant that. But for others of you, it means, you know what? I'm going to double down where I am as a parent, as a grandparent, and seek to live each day as one who is devoted to Christ and his kingdom. I see it in this congregation all the time. Those of you who are devoted to making sacrifices for your children or your grandchildren in order to bring them to the Lord, to, to raise them and nurture them in the admonition and the, the fear of the Lord. I see it in those of you who care for spouses, sometimes even ex-spouses, caring for them in their time of need. I see it in so many ways in our congregation as you have your mind and heart and soul rearranged by this good news in ways you might not even recognize. Look, in this life, there is so much noise out there. It can be hard to catch the signal of God's love. 
But this is why Christ has given us his supper, this Eucharist. So that amid all of the noise of death and sin and brokenness that's all around us, we can gather at this table and receive this unmistakable signal for you and for me. My body broken for you. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You cannot lose that because you have a Lord who the lead for him is that he loves you and that he sacrifices everything for you. That in as much as we mess around in the mud puddles, he comes and picks us up, washes us clean with the waters of holy baptism, feeds us from his very body and blood and says, you are mine. As often as we miss that lead and lose it in this life again and again and again, we hear this message and we are drawn back that in the midst of all of this junk, of all of this noise, of all of these things that distract us and lead us away from God, don't lose this lead. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.